So if you have your Bible this morning and you want to share with me what the Lord has placed upon my heart, we began a message last week uh, that we titled, Teach Us to Pray, and we preached part one of that last week, and we're going to conclude with the second part this week. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And then we're also going to read Matthew chapter 6. But turn with me to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And we will begin reading there. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And this is Matthew's rendition of this portion of scripture Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and after this manner therefore pray ye our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Let's pray together. Ask the Lord for his anointing and preaching his word. Heavenly Father. We thank you this morning that we have an opportunity to be in the house of God. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that we have sensed as we have worshipped and as we have sang. We come to the reading of your word and the ministry of your word. And Lord, I readily admit that of my own self I can do nothing. But I pray this morning, Lord, that you would touch my heart, touch my mind and my body. And I pray, Father, that you would put your word in my, in my mind and in my mouth and let it come forth with liberty and under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I pray above all things here this morning that Christ would be glorified and that the children of God would be edified and, Lord, that you would instruct us and teach us. Through your word, I pray. We ask these things this morning in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus Christ. And everyone in agreement said, Amen. Amen. 
So this morning, we're going to continue where we left off this last week and taking a closer look at the Lord's Prayer. Our text reveals that Jesus often spent many, many hours in prayer. Sometimes he prayed all night. But at it, it, this particular juncture, the scripture teaches us that Jesus had spent some time in prayer. And after he had concluded praying, one of his disciples comes to him and says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Even as John taught his disciples how to pray. And the prayer that Jesus offers for them is just a model prayer. It is an example. Jesus was not saying that every time you pray, this is the exact words that you are supposed to repeat. You understand what I'm saying? He's just giving us some principles that will guide us when we do pray. So for the sake of those that were not here last week, I want to just briefly give a recap of some of the things that we covered in the message last week. We concluded last week, according to Scripture, that it is absolutely the desire and the divine will of God to answer our prayer. In fact, I took a great deal of time last week giving you chapter and verse for all of the many precious promises where Jesus clearly tells us that it is the desire of God to answer our prayer. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Believe and you will receive. Ask, he said, and I will do it. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Over and over again, he makes it abundantly clear that it is his desire that when we pray, we receive an answer. Over and over again, he tells us that when we pray, we will be rewarded with an answer. So we know that he desires to answer, and we know that we ought to pray. Because Luke chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus said, Men ought always to pray and faint not. We are instructed to pray. He promises an answer when we pray. But, Last week, I also asked the question, and I made it abundantly clear that we are the only one that could answer the question that we're about to ask. Are we achieving and obtaining the results that God's Word said we could have when we pray? Are we asking and are we receiving? Are we seeking and are we finding? Are we knocking and are we always finding the open door? Or have we become discouraged and unenthusiastic about prayer because we are not receiving the results that we are promised? 
I shared with you last week that I felt like the Holy Spirit had given me five different principles to bring to your attention concerning what Jesus teaches us to pray. And I believe those five principles, if they were applied to our prayer life, they would cause us to be more fruitful and more successful when we do pray. Because I submit to you there are times that we pray and we do not see the results that we desire. Hello? The first principle that I shared with you last week is this. The first principle of the prayer that Jesus taught them to pray was the fact that the prayer was centered around the Father. He says, our Father who art in heaven. And I brought out the fact that often when we come to the Lord in prayer, instead of making the Father the center of our attention or the center of our focus, there is a lot of I, me, and we, and my. Lord, I need. Lord, we need. Lord, amen, I desire. You hear what I'm talking about this morning? But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you come to the Father, make the Father the focus of your prayer. Prayer is not about I, me, and we. Prayer is about Him. Amen? Amen. But successful prayer starts with the understanding that prayer is not about our, amen, our heart, our desire, our need. Prayer is about making God the focus of our attention. And in that, he will meet our need. Amen. Prayer is about his kingdom, his will, his holiness. So when we come to prayer, let's take the attention or the focus off of us and put it upon the Lord, put it upon the Father. Successful prayer and fruitful prayer starts, amen, by uh, uh, making him the center of our focus and the center of our desire. That's what the Bible teaches. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we go seeking the things instead of seeking him. Make him the focus of the prayer. The second thing or the second principle that I brought out last week is that the fact the prayer that Jesus taught them to pray, it was kingdom centered. The principle is this, when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we are saying, Father, I need you and I want you in my life. I need you to be in control. How many of you know that it's awful hard sometimes for us to relinquish control? Hello? But understand this morning that prayer has never been about asking God to do our will. Prayer is about asking us to submit to His will. Amen. Prayer has never been about trying to twist God's arm to do what we desire Him to do. Prayer is about getting us uh, submitted and obedient and lined up with what He desires to do in and through us. Mm. Prayer is about bringing myself into agreement with Him. 
There have been many times, I'm sure that you can testify in your own life, there have been many times that I went to the Lord and I said, you know, this would be a really good way to handle this. (laughs) Hello? If you would just do this. But his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Can you say amen? And he doesn't always want to do it the way I want to do it. He's not always going to do it the way you want to do it. So I've learned that if I want to be successful in the way that I pray, then I need to pray your will be done, your will be accomplished, and put me where you need me to be. And I have found out that if I will just line up with him, things will go a whole lot smoother. Can you say amen? When we pray in that manner, we are asking him to take control. How many of you this morning desire God to be in control? Amen. Sometimes we say we do, but our actions speak louder than words. I'll move along. That was last week. If you weren't here, get the tape, right? (laughs) So the, the first principle is, the first principle that Jesus teaches us is make the Father the center of our focus. We need to take the focus off of ourselves. And make him the focus. The second principle that he teaches in this little 30-second prayer. The second principle is that our prayer should be kingdom-centered. It should be your kingdom come. Your will be done. You do what you have in mind. Lord, you put me where you want me to be. You help me to submit and be obedient unto you. The third principle that I want to continue with this morning. The third principle of the prayer that Jesus taught them was to what the pray was to be centered upon our daily needs. How many of you know we often daily have needs? He says in verse 3 and and John, not just physical needs, but we have spiritual needs. Not just physical bread, but we need spiritual bread. Hello? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Some of us, and I won't testify or anything like that, but some of us wouldn't dream of missing a meal in the natural But we don't think anything about going from Sunday to Sunday without taking any spiritual nourishment to ourselves. You hear what I'm I'm saying this morning? Jesus teaches them, he says, when you pray, you need to pray, give us this day our daily bread. The, The principle is this, and the thing that I want you to see is this, that Jesus is teaching us that we must look to God as our source on a daily basis. He is our supply. Not just for natural needs, but he is our supply for our spiritual needs. We need bread, we need water, we need life, and he is that life. He is that living water. He is that bread. And without him, there is no spiritual life. He is our source and he is our supply. 
Paul said in the book of Acts that it is in him that we live and we move and we have our being. There is no life and there is no provision outside of the Father. Understand that in the first century that bread had to be made on a daily basis. You couldn't go to the local store and buy a few loaves and stick it in the freezer. Hello? It had to be made on a daily basis. It was an ongoing need. And I submit to you this morning that daily we have physical needs. And daily we have spiritual needs. And that Jesus is trying to teach us to look unto God. Amen. To finish and minister to those needs. He is our resource. He is our provisions. Amen. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that all of our blessings and all of our resources and all of our provision and all of our sustenance comes to the hand of a generous almighty God. And if he were to withhold, we would starve physically and spiritually to death. Hmm. Everything that we have, everything that we own, everything that we have acquired, it is because of the hand of God. He is the one that supplies. And what I'm saying this morning is that in order for prayer to be successful or successful prayer happens uh, when it becomes a reality in our spirit that he is the author and the finisher of our faith and outside of his generosity and outside of his hand, there is no life. The Bible said in Psalms 145 and verse number 16 that he opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. It all flows from him. And when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, he is telling us that when we pray in this manner, we are simply recognizing that God is our provider. When we pray in this manner, we are recognizing that God is our source. How many of you know this morning that the Bible said that he is El Shaddai? He is the all-sufficient one. Amen. And I I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't have a need that God cannot supply. Amen. I know you may have your back up against the wall and you may have a stack of bills. Amen. That high and you don't know how to pay them. But I got news for you this morning. God has the ability to step down right in the middle of your situation and help you out. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. When we pray in that manner, we are acknowledging and confessing that God is our supply. We are admitting and accepting that we are sustained and we are cared by his awesome hand. I learned a long time ago, I may not have the biggest bank account in the city of Emmett, but I'll tell you what I do have. I have a God that's able to meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. 
Christ Jesus. I have a God that's capable of putting meal in my barrel and oil in my cruise and doing exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think if I will just trust in him. Oh, help me. We got company this morning. I ought to settle down. <laughs> but it, it ain't in me. Okay, so when he says, give us this day our daily bread, here's the imagery. Here is the imagery. It is the manna on the backside of the wilderness. That's the imagery that he's painting. Give us this day our daily bread. How many of you remember when the children of Israel came up out of Egypt? God is bringing them into the promised land. They don't get too far out of Egypt and they are thirsty. God said, I got you covered. Hit the rock. The rock gushes water. They said, we're hungry. God said, don't worry about it. I got you covered. Here's what's going to happen. You get up in the morning and you're going to find bread laying all over the ground. You're going to find manna. Uh, I've often said that was the first wonder bread. They got up the next morning and I wonder what that is. <laughs> right? That's the picture. Here's, here's what God told him. said, you're going to go out and pick it up every day. And every day, it's going to be fresh. Every day, it's going to be something brand new. You hear what I'm saying this morning? That's the imagery. Give me this day my daily bread. God, not just my physical food, but I need a spiritual anointing today. Yesterday's anointing will not do. Yesterday's touch of the Holy Spirit will not sustain me. I need something for today. Mm. That's the imagery. That's the imagery. Every day there was a fresh supply of manna waiting to sustain them. And the picture behind the phrase, give us this day our daily bread, is a picture of God daily ministering to our needs and God daily sustaining us and supplying us with everything that we have need of in order to live and have life more abundant in him when we pray give us this day our daily bread we are acknowledging God as provider amen it should remind us to, to thank God for his provision when we pray give us this day our daily bread it should remind us of all of the times that God has been faithful and it should bring a praise to our heart and to our lips and it should cause us to thank him and trust him for his ongoing blessings in our life amen if we do not ask give us this day our daily bread we will fall amen into the trap of thinking that we have supplied our own needs there's a lot of folks in that in that situation today i got up out of the bed i went to work i made the money i'm the one that provided you fool god gave you the breath to get up out of bed 
Hello? Mm. Daily he strengthens us. Daily he provides for us. And if we do not take the time to acknowledge that, then we do not take the time to acknowledge him as provider. We get to thinking that we have supplied our needs by our own hand. And let me just tell you this morning that the hand of men will fail you. But God will never fail you. That picture on the backside of the desert, that picture on the backside of the desert when the children of Israel were thirsty, God said, smite the rock. And 11 million gallons of water a day flowed out of the rock to, to meet the need of 4 million Israelites. 11 million gallons. It wasn't a little trickle. It was a, it was a Katie, bar the door and get out of the way. <laughs> Hello, 11 million gallons of water a day. When God said, I'm going to rain bread out of heaven, it wasn't just a loaf or two. It was 15 tons of bread every day in order to satisfy the need of 4 million people. You think you got a budget? Uh, I, I will assure you this morning that God's name is not El Cheapo. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He knows how to supply what you have need of. And successful prayer or fruitful prayer becomes a, re a reality in our life when we look to our gracious heavenly father from whom all blessings flow and we look to him and we center our trust upon him as our source. Somebody said, you know, you know, here a few years ago, the recession is bad. I said, I don't plan to participate in it. Amen. Hello? What do you mean you don't plan to participate in it? I, I believe my God will meet my need no matter where I am or what I have need of. Amen. My father used to preach the fact that he owns a, uh, the, the cattle on a thousand hills and all the potatoes under it. And I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever you have need of, God is capable of supplying your need. All you got to do is put your hand in his hand and have a little faith in God. Amen. Our prayer should be centered around trusting God that he is our source. The fourth principle that I want to speak about this morning is not going to be very popular. I'll tell you that right up front before I even open my mouth. But the fourth principle, we're talking about things that hinder our prayer life. The fourth principle that Jesus teaches in this short little prayer is centered upon forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we all realize that we, on a personal level, need to be forgiven. But Jesus carries this thing farther than just us being forgiven. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all understand that we stand in need of being forgiven. But what Jesus teaches his disciples here is the fact that they also need to forgive others in the same measure that they have been forgiven. Understand this morning that forgiveness on our part is not optional. 
Forgiveness on our part is not optional. He says, he says, here's how you should pray. Forgive us our debts. How many of you stand in need of saying, Lord, forgive me of my trespasses? Been there, put me at the head of the line, both hands up. If I could lift both feet at the same time, I would. We have all been there. But he goes on to say, Forgive us our trespasses and forgive we, as we forgive those that trespass against us. Hmm. I can't help but wonder how many of us have prayed an unfruitful prayer. We didn't receive the answer to the prayer that we desired because we were nursing a grudge against someone else. Hello? In the book of Psalms, you often read the word selah. It means stop and contemplate that. In my notes, I said, I can't help but wonder how many of us have prayed an unfruitful prayer because we are nursing a grudge against someone else. Selah. <laughs> stop and consider that for a moment. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15, If ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Luke 6, 30, uh, 37, it says, Judge not and you'll not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive. And you shall be forgiven. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has aught against thee, leave there the gift at the altar and go your way and first be reconciled with your brother and then come back and I'll answer your prayer. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. He meant the Bible said, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another and be tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. What he is saying is, if you want to be forgiven, then you forgive others. What he's saying is if you don't want your prayer to be hindered, don't be nursing a grudge and don't be holding a grudge or unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else. He said freely you have received, freely give. Can I tell you this morning that we have freely received of the grace and the mercy of God and now God, amen, requires us to give that same grace to others. It could be stated another way. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. It could be also translated, forgive us in the same manner we forgive others. <gasps> I like the way Jesus forgives because some folks don't freely forgive. Hello? How would, you, how would you like for God to forgive you the same way you forgive others? Hello? 
I mean, you know, the Bible said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Y'all got really quiet. I'm not making this stuff up. It came right out of the sword. <laughs> he requires that we freely forgive. Peter come to him one day and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother when he, when he sins against me? Seven times? Peter thought he was doing a really, really big favor. Seven times? Jesus said, no, seven times 70. And really was he, what he was saying was, no, just have a forgiving spirit. Just have a forgiving heart. Because that's the way your father is. And the good thing about God is when God forgives, he forgets all about it. You know what? We ought to model our forgiveness that same way. You hear what I'm saying this morning? It's so easy for us to nurse a grudge. And it is so easy for us to have unforgiveness in our heart. But I will tell you this morning that unforgiveness in our heart will hinder our prayer life. This is what God said. He said, if you, if you harbor iniquity or if you regard iniquity in your heart, I won't hear your prayer. God even told married couples, God even told married couples, don't be fussing and fighting with your wife or your husband. Because if you're fussing and fighting with your husband or your spouse, you're going to hinder your prayer. That's true. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't nobody elbow your spouse. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. <laughs> Christ has for freely forgiven us. Christ has freely washed us and cleansed us and canceled our debt. And there are others that now stand in the need of your forgiveness and your canceling the debt that they, that they have against you. You hear what I'm saying this morning? We need to be a forgiving individual because we have been forgiven. I can't help but wonder sometimes if our, our prayers are not successful or we're not seeing the results of an effective prayer life because we have unforgiveness in our heart. The fifth principle. Somebody said, oh, thank God, move along. <laughs> the fifth principle is this. The fifth principle that Jesus taught, he taught them that, that their protection came from the Lord. The principle that he speaks here in the Lord's Prayer that I want to share with you when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We are to pray that we are to be saved from temptations and from evil or the paths of the evil one. I will tell you this morning that there are many, many ways that temptation will arise every day. The Greek word that is in our Bible that's translated temptation, it literally could read, lead us not into temptations and deliver us from the evil one. Here's what the Bible says about the evil one, that he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I promise you, if you are not prayed up and trusting in the Lord for your divine protection, you're going to be devoured. 
Can you give me chapter and verse for that? Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane? And this is what he said to the disciples. He said, pray that you enter not into temptation. And what did they do? They went to bed. And when the Roman soldiers came to arrest Christ, what did they do? Did they stand up in Holy Ghost boldness? No, they ran. You hear what I'm saying this morning? If we are not praying, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver my soul from temptation because everything that glitters is not gold. Deliver me from the temptations and deliver me from the evil one. I guarantee you this morning, we don't have the power to stand against him in ourselves. It is not by our might. It is not by our power, but it is by the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And without him, we can do nothing. Mm, I can't help but wonder, amen, how often our prayers have been unsuccessful because instead of fleeing temptation, every time the enemy yanks our chain, we find ourselves in a mess. Not me, Brother Gary, that's just you. How many of you know the enemy knows just what buttons to push in your life to cause you to go right off the deep end? I saw a meme on Facebook the other day and it said, the devil caught me with my head down and he got all excited for a moment until he heard me, until he heard me say amen. <laughs> Picture of this big old lion. What I'm saying this morning is we cannot stand against the enemy in our own strength or our own power. But if we are relying upon God, when temptation comes, we will be able to resist the enemy. Pray this morning. Pray. Amen. God, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from what he's teaching us is that we don't have the ability to stand in ourselves. But if we will trust in him, it is through his strength and his power and through his anointing and through his uh, Holy Spirit that he comes down uh, on the inside of us uh, and helps us to stand in the face of adversity and temptation. Lord, guard my heart, guard my heart. Will God answer that kind of prayer? According to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, he will. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says. It says, there is no temptation that has overtaken you, but that it is common unto man. In other words, you know, you, uh, you haven't been faced with some super, super temptation that nobody else has ever faced. But he said, and God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But he will also, with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. <laughs> Somebody falls, they go, well, the devil made me do it. Well, here's what the Bible says about that. Is it that every man is drawn away and enticed of his own lusts. 
Sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. <laughs> you know, it's what's in us that leads us away. And when we pray, lead me not into temptation, we're saying, Lord, you take control of me and the lusts of my flesh and the lusts of my spirit. You take control of my heart and you lead me and you guide me and you enable me that when temptation comes, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard against it. When the enemy comes in, help me to stand. Daily, we need to pray, lead me away from temptation and lead me out of the trap of the adversary. Lead me out of the trap of the adversary. When we are faced with temptation and we are faced with enticement to sin, look for a way out. Look for a way out. And God will give you that avenue. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to withstand. Our problem is, is that when we're tempted, we just run headlong into the mess. Hello? So let me start winding this down. The first principle that he teaches us to pray is that our prayer, if we want to have a successful prayer life, if we want to have a fruitful prayer life, if, if we are not enjoying the results of his promises as we could, maybe some of these areas we need to take a closer look at. The first principle that he teaches us is that we need to be, we need to be father-centered and not self-centered. The second principle is that our prayer should be kingdom-centered, and we should not be asking to consume it upon our own loves. We should, we should not be praying to consume it upon our own selfish desires, but we should be praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The third principle is that our prayer should be centered upon our daily physical needs and spiritual needs. Some people lay awake at night thinking about what's going to happen in the future. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Don't fuss about what's going to happen 10 years. I'm not saying don't plan, don't, don't make plan. No, what I'm saying is don't lose sleep over it. Don't worry about it. Put your hand in his hand and trust that he is able to keep you and that he will daily provide for you. Daily pray for our spiritual needs, thanking him for his gifts and his kindness and trusting that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The fourth principle is that our prayer should be centered upon forgiveness, not just our own. But Lord, help me to have a forgiving spirit toward others. Lord, forgive me of my trespasses, but also give me the love of God down in my heart that I will be able to forgive others in the same measure and manner that you forgive me. The fifth principle, our prayer should be centered upon divine protection. It should be centered upon divine protection protection. 
his hand upon our lives. It is through his strength that we stand. It is through his strength and his power that we stand. This morning, I want to close our service in a little bit different manner than what we normally do. Uh, will you go ahead and put that picture up on the board? I want us to pray the, the Lord's Prayer together. And as you pray these words this morning, I want you to stop and just think about the things that we have ministered upon these past couple of weeks. Making him the center and the focus of our attention. His will, his kingdom, his desire. Lord, help me to submit to you. Apply these principles as we pray it together. Just repeat it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it. So be it. Let me close with just a few thoughts. We cannot say our Father. We cannot say our if we are living in a selfish manner and living for ourselves. We cannot say Father if we do not endeavor to each day act like his child. Don't be praying Father if you ain't endeavoring to act like one of him. We cannot say, hallowed be thy name, if we do not respect the fact that he is holy, holy, holy. We cannot say, your kingdom come and your will be done if we are not allowing God to reign and rule in our life and in our heart. We cannot say, give us this day our daily bread if we are trusting in ourselves for our own provision. You cannot say, forgive me my sins while you are nursing a grudge against someone else. And you cannot say, lead us not into temptation if we are deliberately placing ourselves right in the path of sin. All of those things and we cannot expect to have a successful, fruitful prayer life unless we are meeting the principles of the prayer that he taught us to pray. Strive 
to apply these things to your spirit, to your heart, and just see if God doesn't keep his promises. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Call, and I will answer. You understand what I'm saying this morning? If our prayer life is not being successful, if we, be, if we become discouraged with our prayer life and our prayers are not being answered, if the, the problem is not on God's end. <laughs> the problem is not on God's part. Maybe there's some things in me that I need to change. Maybe there's some things in me that I need to correct. Maybe there's some stuff in me that I need to get lined out in order to have the promises that he made to us. Bow your heads all over the building, if you will, please. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that it is your will to answer our prayer. I thank you this morning, Lord, for bringing all of these things to our attention. And now, Father, I pray that you will just cause the words that have been spoken to be embedded deeply into our spirit and into our heart. Help us to apply these principles. Let us be nurtured and taught through the instruction of your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here? And you would be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I needed to hear the words that you you spoke, that you preached this morning. Yes, all over the building here. All over the building. All over the building. Stand to your feet, please, if you will. Stand to your feet, if you will. Amen, amen, amen. Aren't you glad that God brings to our attentions? He brings to our attention His Word, and He brings to our attention areas in our life where we can grow and learn. Slip your hands right up toward heaven this morning and just begin to praise Him. They're going to come and sing one more song of worship. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning and give him praise and give him glory and give him honor. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.